Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. We have to say to folks, it's going to cost you. There is a cost. But it's worth it. Not that there isn't a cost. And so what you see is the mistake is a hasty commitment. Just emotional. So I'm going to follow Jesus. Then it never lasts because here comes a trial. Well, where's Jesus? What do you mean we're not staying in the We're staying in the Motel 6 tonight instead of the Ritz? And that's the damaging false teaching that every Christian has to be prosperous. Or you don't have enough faith. Many of us can look back at a time in our lives where we fully committed to a project or goal that we set. On the other hand, we can also recall a time where our ambition quickly faded once we were met with challenge. When reflecting on why it is that we failed, we often discover that we didn't quite take into account what it would cost to reach our goal. In today's edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark teaches us the necessity of counting the cost of discipleship. For those of us who have already made the decision for Christ, we learn the importance of teaching others that cost when sharing the gospel. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with his continuing study entitled, Don't Miss Life. Get in the boat. Jesus replied, foxes have holes. In other words, when the fox goes home tonight, he has a place to sleep. It's a hole in the ground, but that's where foxes sleep. And birds of the air have nests. The bird has a place to sleep tonight. He has a nest. But the son of man, me, I got no place to lay my head. You see, Jesus was saying to the man, you don't get it. It looks good now, but you don't have the whole picture. Now, Jesus wasn't saying this. You know, see, this man and the crowd thought it was like an infomercial. You know, you see the infomercials and you go, I got to have one of those. They're incredible. You know, the ab thing and all that jazz and all you do is get a bad back and you just gets broader. And all the little things you see, most of it's garbage. And so all the people are looking and they're going, wow, this is incredible. Let's get on board right now. Early on, early on. You know, this has got to be a pyramiding thing. If we're early on, we're in the group, man. We're in the group. Jesus goes, whoa, time, time, time. Now, notice Jesus isn't saying this. You know, I'm homeless. If you serve God, you're going to be homeless. It's a really miserable thing. I don't have any place to stand. I I can't even get in a nest. I don't even have a hole in the ground. You still want to come follow God? It's terrible. He's not saying that. What he's saying is this. You don't understand. You don't have the whole picture. He says, uh, tonight, I'll be staying in somebody's home. But at the moment, I don't even know who. Now, we know that Jesus many times stayed at the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They were fairly wealthy people. But see, from night to night, Jesus, listen, 
He wasn't concerned where he was staying. He was traveling through. Oh, Pastor Mark, we're not traveling through, are we? Yes. So what Jesus is saying is, I'm not homeless, but he says, I don't have property. I don't have a home to go to. Uh, I'm not looking for your sympathy. I'm not a homeless man, but I am trying to say to you something very important. I learned this about 13 years ago, 14 years ago. I have it written in my Bible. You should write it in your Bible. Here's a statement. This is what Jesus is saying. He says to the man, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you to follow Jesus, but it costs you more not to follow Jesus. He says, you don't have the picture. You think it's all this. It's awesome. It's great. Popularity in thing. Wrong. There's hard times ahead. There's going to be difficult times ahead. But what are you going to say eventually to the man is this? Well, it is going to cost you to follow me. But in the end, it's going to cost you a lot more if you don't follow me. And see, in our drive-through mentality, Mick Church, we just give me the Happy Meal and keep going. We don't realize the end result of eating Happy Meals. We end up at the Mick Hospital. (laughs) So that's what Jesus is saying to the man. Now, he isn't saying that the Christian life isn't exciting. It is. It's incredible. It's wonderful. It's filled with fulfillment because that's what we were made to do. It's filled with joy. It's filled with excitement. But there are trials. There are difficult times. There are times that are tough. So all he says to the man is, you're making an emotional spur of the moment decision. He says, be careful. Be careful. It's not going to last. Because when the first speed bump comes, you're out of here. And so he says, good intentions don't really count. So what was the man's mistake? What was Jesus saying? What was the solution? Here's, you'll see it. Number one, the mistake. Too hasty a commitment. Emotional response to the gospel. Saying, come on, serve, without the balancing. I think we have to be very careful in our churches that we don't appeal just to emotion. Many times you see this. You'll see this at the end of something like, just say, Jesus, come into my heart. Get your certificate and say that you're a member of the church. Have a nice life and go to heaven. Now, that's not it at all. Let me show you how this works. How many of you that are following Jesus now wish you would have started to follow Jesus sooner in your life? Let me see your hand and hold it up. Look around. Look around. Now, why is it? Because of a horrible life. I feel like a martyr all the time. That's what I was made to do. No, you do that because it's an incredible life. In spite of the difficulty, in spite of the hurts, in spite of the storm, it's an incredible life, isn't it? Isn't it? It's incredible. And so we have to say to folks, it's going to cost you. There is a cost, but it's worth it. Not that there isn't a cost. And so what you see is the mistake is a hasty commitment, just emotional. So I'm going to follow Jesus. Then it never lasts because here comes a trial. Well, where's Jesus? What do you mean we're not staying in the we're staying in the Motel Six tonight instead of the Ritz? And that's the damaging false teaching 
that every Christian has to be prosperous or you don't have enough faith. You know, that's amazing. You take that teaching to India, it don't preach. You take it to Africa, it don't preach. Because it's not true. So what's the solution? Stop, count the cost, but then follow. It's not stop the cost and don't follow. It's stop, count the cost. Okay, now you understand. It's going to cost you something. It's worth it. Join us. Here we go. Now, this second would-be disciple is a little different. Look at verse 21. Another disciple said to him, circle these first four words, Lord, first let me... First, let me go and bury my father. This is an oxymoron. You're familiar with the term oxymoron, airplane food, large shrimp, things like that that don't make sense together. Notice, here's the oxymoron. Lord, me first. You can't say to God, I'm your servant, I'll follow wherever you go. Now, here's my plan, God. Follow me. It doesn't work. Well, Jesus sees through his heart. Notice this man comes to him. And he responds like this, verse 22. But Jesus told him, no, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. That sounds very harsh and cruel, doesn't it? Let me ask you a question. Think about this. Let the dead bury their own dead. Does that sound like a Halloween movie to you? (laughs) Have you ever seen a dead person bury somebody? Get out of the grave. I'm... Very, very. What does he mean? It means this. Let the spiritually dead bury the physical dead. So what is he saying? Well, we have to get the context. This, is, this isn't a harsh statement. See, Jesus goes right to the man's heart. He, again, he knows. The person next to you doesn't know your heart this morning. I don't know your heart. God does. So he goes right to the man. He says, but what do you mean? You first. No, 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 no. So let's go back to this scenario. What really took place? Well, in those days, a young man had to honor his mom and dad. And the way he would honor his mom and dad is he would basically stay around them or be with them until they passed away. And, of course, part of that had to do with if, if dad had an inheritance, guess who's going to get it? So what is really being said here? Jesus knew this. This is the way they lived then. What the young man says is, when my dad, his dad wasn't sick. In fact, let me tell you, when you read that picture, it's looked like his dad's in ICU over at Holmes or Wustoff or something. No, his dad is very healthy. He's 62. He runs three miles a day. I mean, he lifts weights. He's almost like an Air Jordan. He's exciting, by the way. 62 is a good year. And he's very exciting. He, he takes all those multivitamins. He can do all kinds of push-ups. He's on pomegranate juice that I now take because I think it's a great thing for your health. And he's just an incredibly healthy man. He's not going to die for another 20 or 30 years and Jesus knows that. In fact, he's, he even takes Viagra, doesn't even need Viagra. He's still virile and strong. <laughs> but, but the son makes it look like in about three days, dad's going to drop over and die. Then I'll follow you. No, he, Jesus knew exactly what he was saying. He said, your dad's healthy. It's not about your dad's age. It's about a stall tactic. Your words sound good. How many years will it be before you follow? In the overhead, I want you to see some things. And I think we have to challenge ourselves 
personally this morning. Jesus isn't saying don't bury your father. If if you're following me, your dad dies, you can't go back home. He's not saying that at all. What he's saying is when that takes place, we're going to honor the Old Testament. The Old Testament says we're to honor our mom and dad. But until then, you, you put me first. Everything else will fall into place. So what the man says is wait until my father dies. Then I will follow you. What about you and I this morning? What can you put in that blank? God, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to really obey you uh, uh, until, but this has happened, and then I'll do it. What would you put in the blank this morning? Well, you know, God, there's these relationships, and human relationships are huge. Well, some of you have a a girl or a boyfriend, and well, maybe even the human relations. Send me back up. Well, Pastor Mark, I'm going to follow Jesus when my husband gets saved or my wife gets saved. Really? Why would you wait? You're not going to stand before God as a pair. You, you need to follow him now. See, that's an excuse. Oh, some of you are dating an unbeliever. I'm not sure why you're even dating an unbeliever. You say, I'm waiting to follow Jesus till that unbeliever gets saved. And then when he or she gets saved, we're going to go through the four-month premarital counseling. Then we're going to get married. Everything's going to be great. I want to caution you this morning big time. Number one, you shouldn't be dating an unbeliever. Number two, many times unbelievers get saved because you pressure them to get saved. And I'm going to tell you a scenario that I've seen for 40 years. For the first three months, it's wonderful. You're married. Things are going great. They're here with you, whether it's a man or woman. They love the Lord. It's awesome. Six months into the marriage, you never get them back in church again. Why? Because they never really made a commitment. You forced them to do it so they could marry you. So, Pastor Mark, mine's going to be different. Careful. And the next thing I find is people come in the office and say, he left me. She left me. That's right. So we have to, as you look through all of this, well, Pastor Mark, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to really be obedient. When I get to business, you know, i got four more things to take care of, and there's a great deal coming, and whatever. And, you know, we have a pool at home, but we really don't have the, we don't have the, the screen there yet. So I'm going to work some overtime here, and for the next three weeks, and four weeks, and five weeks, and then something else. You need a hot water heater, and then you need to make it special here, and then you got to do the resurfacing again, because the crazy algae got in, and that's enough. And pretty soon, four years go by of extra work, and life has gone... And we're just existing the whole time. Some of you, retirement. Praise God, when I get retired, I can really serve God. He's not waiting for you to retire. By the way, retirement is an American term. It's not a biblical term. You waiting for me to retire? Dream on. Oh, I'm going to retire, but it's this way. I don't know when it is, but until then, you're getting it. Some of you saw kids. Graduation. I got to finish college before I really follow Christ. Wrong. Follow them now. Follow them now. So just ask yourself this morning, what's hindering you from following him? Jesus says to this man, no, 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 not you first, me first. Come on, follow me. Now, as you see all of that, what's the mistake and what's the solution? Here's the mistake. The mistake is a reluctant, a stall tactic. It's not really a commitment at all. I'll follow you when the time is right. The solution, quit procrastinating. Quit procrastinating it at all. Just do it. 
Now, the reason all of that happens is that sometimes you and I, well, we kind of think, and here's, here's what the enemy does to us. We think we're no use to God until we have everything kind of tied up and all in a nice order. Everything's perfect in our life. We kind of got it the way it should be. And now I can serve God. I have everything together. Let me, let me give you a clue. You and I never get everything together. Amen. Do you know when you die, there's going to be a to-do list on your desk. <laughs> you never got to it. How many of you would be embarrassed this morning if, you went, if somebody took a picture of your office desk right now, what it looked like at home? Ladies, you know that ironing you've been meaning to get to till Jesus comes? There it is. It's sitting right there. You guys over there is all the stuff you're going to organize. It's there. It's pretty embarrassing. Isn't it? Well, I'm very organized, Pastor Mark. Oh, I bet you there's a place it isn't. See, you'll never get it together. So what? Serve today. Go with God. All right, now, look at the next verse. We read it. It goes like this. Then he got into the boat, Jesus, and his disciples, well, they followed him. Let me ask you a question. Did those two disciples that he just talked to follow him? We don't know. Matthew doesn't tell us. We have no idea whether they did or didn't. Let me give you two scenarios. If they did, and we know from a couple of the other Gospels, many boats went with Jesus. But if they did get in a boat and follow Jesus, if they were a committed follower of Jesus, they showed two traits that are absolutely required if you call yourself a follower of Jesus. Write these down. Following Jesus requires radical obedience, number one, and remaining, remaining teachable. You see, I can't call myself a follower of Jesus unless I obey him. If he says, drop this and go, I go. If he speaks to my heart and says, do this, I do it. That means radical obedience. Now, both of those, both of those men he talked to and he basically said to them, here's your problem. Here's the solution. If they got on board, they were teachable. I want to be teachable my whole life. I want to remain open to the things of God. I want God to speak to me and use me to be ministered to all my life. Now, what if they didn't get in the boat? What if they decided not now? What would happen? What did they miss? We're going to see that. Look in verse 24. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. <laughs> this is amazing. But Jesus was sleeping. Many Christians have this concept that if there's a difficulty or a storm or a problem in life, it's because they've been disobedient to God. Sometimes that's true. Sometimes a storm or a problem comes in my life because I have been disobedient to God. You know, whatever I sow, I do, I do reap. But see this philosophy that if a storm comes in your life, then you're really not serving God and you don't have enough faith. That, that's terrible theology. Notice this storm came in the disciples' life because they did what? They obeyed Jesus. The storm didn't come because they disobeyed. 
It came because they obeyed. They were in the will of God, the perfect will of God. Now, there's some words there that you and I understand without warning. Do you know that you and I are one phone call away from a furious storm? You and I are one phone call away from a disaster that's just happened to a family member, a friend. You and I are one call to the office of where you work to say the company is downsizing and I'm sorry to say you're the first to go. We're one email away when the phone couldn't get a hold of us But they email us and say, please call your doctor's office. The results of your test have just come back. We're one evening together when a spouse says, I need to talk to you. I'm leaving you. We're one conversation away from our teenage son or daughter who say, I've been tested and I have AIDS. Or, I had a test at school and I'm now pregnant. What are you going to do when a storm comes up suddenly like that? Well, here's a principle you need to write. Following Jesus doesn't eliminate the storms of life. It doesn't. And they can come just like that. And that's what happened. They're going across the Sea of Galilee... I've been there six times. It's an incredible sea. Easily because of the focus of the wind coming down from the mountains, storms come up. These guys had experienced that before. They knew it. See, for us, it's not the Sea of Galilee. It's a marital storm, a financial storm, a storm of our children, a health storm, a storm of personal relationship. Maybe it's a, it's a spiritual storm where unbelief just floods me. Well, as you look at that, You say, well, Pastor Mark, they obeyed God, and man, they're in the middle of this incredible storm. Maybe it was better not to follow Jesus. The people on, on shore didn't experience this horrible storm. No, but I want to say this to you. Everybody in life goes through storms. I'd rather go through a horrible storm with Jesus in my boat and go through a horrible storm without it. You know, often when I'm called to the hospital or whatever, and, it, and many times it's life and death situations, pulling the plug, somebody just come from an accident not long ago, you know, a two-year-old. and It's just, it's just amazing. When, when I do that and I, and I go into a room and it's relatives or friends of somebody and they don't know the Lord, I, I don't know what in the world they hold on to. Many of us have set out to achieve something only to find that we're quickly discouraged and end up failing. Whether it was due to misinformation or a lack of preparation, we don't always come out on top. In today's edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark taught us about the challenges we face as disciples of Christ. In our study, Pastor Mark encouraged us by reminding us of the ultimate goal that far outweighs any trial we might face. Maybe you're listening right now and God has placed a certain person on your heart that needs to hear this message. Or maybe you'd like to share it with all of your friends. There's a simple way to share this message. 
Log on to Lessons for Living Radio and click on the radio program option in the main menu. There, you'll find the Lessons for Living media player. In the Messages tab, simply click on today's date. Then you can share today's message directly on your Facebook page, Twitter feed, or send a link via email. You can even embed today's message directly. Again, to share today's message with friends and family members, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Click on the radio program button, then simply click on today's date. You'll find all the options to share. Many of us have a tendency to cruise through life thinking that we have everything in perfect order. Whether we rely on riches or physical comforts, we tend to forget that disaster can be right around the corner. In our next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will teach us about the ultimate source of security and comfort. Rather than relying on the things that perish, Pastor Mark reminds us that our security and comfort in Christ is eternal. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. In a hurting world A new hope he is given